you can support Kyla Powers Radio, uh, and it would be really appreciated because then I can expand, uh, you know, my equipment, and uh, I really want to get to be live streaming on YouTube with the right equipment, which I really don't have now. And that's kind of why I love Anchor, because it is enabling me to do this with my phone, and that's just the beauty. That's one of the best positive things about uh, technology, which I'm really, really grateful for. If you want to support my channel, and it's really appreciated, as I said, uh, you can go to paypal.me slash Kyla Powers, K-A-I-L-A, P-O-W-E-R-Z. If you care about the things that I care about and the things that I'm taking the time to study and, you know, I'm using my voice and I'm saying things that I know aren't popular and that, uh, you know, I don't hear anyone saying it. But I know it needs to be said. And I, I pay the consequences for speaking the truth. If that's important to you, you know, your support would really, really help. Even if it's like really small amounts, everything is appreciated. Um, I'm also on Patreon, even though I don't put, haven't put content on there yet. Um, that's something I'll be doing maybe today. Uh, you can look me up on Patreon as well, Kyla Powers. I'd really appreciate it. Um, so anyway, now, continuing with who we are, what can really happen to us and for us in this lifetime? What are we here for? What is achievable? How can we live Where are we going? Trying to get to those answers using real facts and and real, solid, theoretical scholarship. Uh, That's what I'm about. And uh, the voice you're going to hear is the voice of thinker Santo Bonacci on the, uh, the ramifications of flat earth being possible. And here's where, you know what? You can believe everything you've already been taught, that the earth is a globe. Go ahead. Continue to believe it. All I'm asking you, and there's not that much interesting stuff going on. Let's just be real. There's not that many interesting movies or TV shows or I mean, I don't want to say that, but just there's there's not that much that's truly interesting. This is interesting. This is incredibly interesting. Um, the ramifications, the what if, if you're a comic book reader and you've ever bought what if, just to be like, well, what if we're totally wrong? And it's something else. What is it? Well, here's a clue. 
you got to hear this conversation. I didn't give you everything, but we'll talk about a little bit of it. Wherever you go in the universe, who have completed their service to God and are complete and perfect in their ways. And that's essentially what we're doing. We are doing that. We're on the right-hand path, and we believe that purity and uh, you know sanctimonious living as, as much as possible and the good way, the good road, is the way for us. We, we, we feel that. We know that. It's, it's our intuition leads us. Whereas others uh, are very comfortable with the left-hand path, and they believe that anything goes will save them. And so they will be saved, yes, but their salvation will be different to the one that we get if we purify our hearts. <clears throat> the pure ones will be, will be blessed beyond beyond the blessings that anyone else will, will, will see. Do you think that, Santos, that um, you know, if, if we are in a school, do you think that the school works both ways? Do you think there are souls that are descending and souls that are ascending? I know there's a quote in the spiritual world that says that spiritual people um, have been to hell. Religious people are afraid of going to hell. So do you think there are souls that are coming from these heavenly realms on their way down to the hellish realms as part of the evolutionary cycle, I guess, spiritually. And there are souls who are coming from the lower chakra realms, going up into the higher, and it's sort of like souls are always going up and down and interlinking um, through, the, through, through the universe. Yep, yep, spot on. Yes, that's how, that's how it's going. It's like... Uh, the elements from hydrogen to uranium and plutonium all the way down um, the intensity of frequency. And so you've got fusion and fission. You've got the Elohim and Nephilim. The Elohim are going upward, yeah, and the Nephilim are falling downward. So there are, there are ones who delight in misdeeds depravity, <clears throat> debauchery, <clears throat> they delight in these practices. <clears throat> they don't heed the sacred scriptures. I, I feel like there's a, there's a whole another Skype chat on this, because I love this topic, especially about the Bible. Um, very much like you, I grew up with the Bible and I turned away from it. And it looks like um, over the last couple of years, I've started coming back to it and, and because of you, really, Santos. I apologize for the quality of the video. Basically, what he was saying was that as somehow he got turned off or, or rather was moving away from the Bible and, you know, maybe his thought was tempered by a disdain for, you know, religious dogma or, you know, some people get treated terribly in the church or they know of the corruption in the church and that turns them off of the word. And that's really sad because that's where, you know, that's where the nourishment is, is in the word. It's not about following a religion. It's not about being in a church. It's about getting the word into you. However, you can receive it. If faith cometh by hearing, 
There's so many people on YouTube reading the word. And you can find people on here reading it and interpreting it. And they do just about as good a job as any preacher anywhere. Um, and then the best thing you can do is to have isolated study and to think about the word independently by yourself. Not waiting on anybody else to tell you what it means, but you saying the words, thinking about the words, and you deciding what it means. That's what it's about. And in understanding it better than an agriculture would. So I think that is worth another call some of the time because I really savor, savor that. So we just, this? on a bigger scale, so I'm just be sorry to cut you off. We say on a bigger scale, these, these beings that worship these lesser gods are what we call the souls who are descended on the way down. So they've come from the heavenly realms and they're now on the way down to the hellish realms. Is this, can you yeah. something like that? Yep, and they are being saved by their works. Only their salvation is damnation to us, because we've been there. <laughs> That's yeah. damnation. They are being lost into perdition. That's why the false prophets, the people who teach uh, anything other than, um, well, people who teach the left-hand path, which is what the prodigal son is, um, which is essentially just flesh eaters and seed wasters because the prodigal son was famous for wasting his seed with the prostitutes, in other words, ejaculating, wasting the life force and disrespecting God by, you know, discharging that force disrespectfully into other human beings, animals or whatever, and eating <coughs> dead animals. Both of these induce death. Ejaculation induces death slowly, and the eating of dead animals makes you dead because you are what you eat. So these are these are the this is the cult of death, the ejaculators, the seed wasters, and the swine eaters. That's why I go after them, you know, like a terrorist because I want to I want to make those two things famous. I want to make those known throughout the earth because all demonism and all depravity is because of murdering animals and eating their dead corpses and ejaculating. Hence, you've got a culture of condoms and contraceptives and unwanted pregnancies and all kinds of sickness because society has produced incontinent little boys who can't hang on to their little, you know, seedy bits. When whilst having sex, you know, they, they they have to they're incontinent. They have to ejaculate their their brains. This is basically they're emptying up their life force, their brain, to becoming stupid, stupid through ejaculation and and eating, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches. You know, they're basically addicted to blood. These are vampires. They have a blood addiction. And they justify meat eating meat because, oh, and they point to the Bible. Oh, but God said, which God? Not source creator. Source creator says, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. And there's no compromising of that principle. But the other God, El Shaddai, that comes along, which is Shatan, yes, well, he says, yes, you can, I'll give you all, I'll give you these animals. Well, that's because that's these are... Uh, 
Excuse me. That's a really important point. Is that that's why I say know the name of Yahuwah. And I am going to figure out which version of the word we should be reading because when we see that word God at different points, you know, it's contradictory sometimes. Uh, because on one hand it's saying don't kill, but then it's telling these people kill this animal and sacrifice it. That's what Yahweh is saying. So you can't just go by some of these preachers that are telling you to worship Yahweh. No, I worship Yahuwah. I don't know about any of these other people. I, I, If he's telling you not to kill, he wouldn't be asking you to sacrifice your son or an animal or anything else. So you got to start using some common sense people. And that's that's the first step. The class of these are untouchables. These are, these are church-going, murderous people. They will kill you if your Jesus doesn't drink coffee because ours drinks wine, you know, and, and, and coffee. And why doesn't yours, you know? Uh, and, and this is the 30,000 different sects of corporate-registered Christian churches. <laughs> well, talk about a kingdom divided. And they will kill you. And these are, these are swine-eaters. These are the swine eaters, and they worship a God who, who, um, you know, in his scriptures, condones this kind of murderous activity. Before you answer, I, I have to rush off, guys. I can't, uh, I've, got a, I've got a word to you, unfortunately. Yeah, you'll have to go too soon, because it's getting late here. You can hold the thought, and we'll um, pick up from here another yeah. time. Absolutely. Of materialism before the science okay so this is the big dilemma right here are we choosing our own soul the salvation of our own soul which is an eternity for temporary materialism the Vupas Nigra was a 33 mile wide black magnetic stone let's go right back to it Oofed. At a certain period, I think that was about 300 years ago. Is that right? Right. In the late 1600s, what they tell us is the late 1600s, basically removed. And we've shown that of the time they did a sort of horrible... So the, the conversation is, before this period in the 1600s, people knew that the world was flat. Okay, basically. And then... After that, this whole fallacy and this whole story was put into place to basically hide uh, the creator, Yahuwah, and to hide the Garden of Eden and to hide knowledge. Shop where they took parts of Canada, Russia, and Greenland and just removed them. And what we were talking about um, in our last talk, Sandos, is you were providing lots of information how uh, that time period, the late 1600s, is really when the globe deception started to ramp up. Yeah, yeah, because what they've done is they've um, put the science of materialism before the science of transcendence or supernatural or metaphysical or what you would say spiritual science. 
okay? So they've put material effect science, pseudoscience, scientism, before the law of God. The law of God is truth and science, not falsity and pseudoscience. So we've turned our back on God by accepting theories of men. Look at, all, look at all of them. The first theory that destroyed mankind and, and where we can point to after the Renaissance where mankind went downhill was the Copernican theory. Then 120 years later, the Newtonian theory. Then 100 years later, the uh, Darwinian theory. Then 100 years later, the relativity Einsteinian theory, then the, the Jesuits uh, Le Maître with the Big Bang theory. And that was, that was from the Jesuits. Yes, you heard right. <laughs> so there's five theories and they've never been upgraded. Do you know anywhere where they've been upgraded to fact? We're not upgrading the theories, but where we're actually trying to prove um, the opposite, which is the whole point. Yeah, we're revisiting them, if anything. And so, yeah, and we're exposing them as false. They're they're all false. It's pseudoscience, and it's the science of uh, demonology, okay? Demons are service to self-entities that care not about God's truth and nature and how it works. Okay, so the electrical world of effects is um, is uh, uh, infested with a you know false paradigms and illusions and 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 falsities because materialists, although they are intelligent, they they're not connected to source and they can't use their higher mind, so their intelligence is very animalistic. And so their theories are based on their deceived senses. This is, this is how horrible the world, the hellish world that they, that they inhabit is. It's, it's, it's a hide mind and it's controlled by demons. And the demons were created. Demons are created, egregores are created by people who use magic formulas to conjure up uh, spirits and energy, and and then and then to um, you know make vows and and blood vows and um, pacts and covenants with um, with satanic uh, forces. And so what they do then is um, those egregores actually grow and become gods unto their system. And so. The Farnese family, by creating the Jesuits with the Borgias and the Orsini and the, the Medicis and Gaetani, all those families there, I can mention a lot more, but those are the definitely the most powerful families who ever lived for probably about four or 5,000 years, okay? Um, they, um, to, they created um, demons, you know, demons of hell. And when they... Santos, my question would be, um, now that we're at the stage where we're awakening to this and we're figuring all this out, 
where we're catching on to what's happened to us and what's been happening. What do you think is the solution? And where do you think it's headed? What is the climax of all of this? I mean, if we reveal all this, all this truth, um, you know, what is the climax? Because part of what we're trying to what we're trying to do is we've come to a point where we thought, well, we've been protesting with Flat Earth and all these truths for so long now, but what is the end goal? And for us, going to the North Pole and finally proving that the Garden of Eden is there is hard evidence to show. Okay, so that's very important. We can now confirm without a doubt that the Garden of Eden is at the North Pole. And that's what the whole Antarctica thing is about. That needs to become common knowledge. That's Garden of Eden is real. It exists. Now move on from there. To put everything to bed, to expose these people. Do you think that is a, a, a good thing um, for us to be embarking on this, on this journey to, to physically do this? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I would like your thoughts, Santos, on Mount Maru and magnetism, because obviously all all magnetism on this realm it all comes from the center. Can I share some slides with you? Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll share my screen uh, because I'll be able to explain a lot more what I'm trying to say. See, the sun, can you see my screen? Yes. Okay, so you see the spinal cord in um, uh, the center of the body. It's called Meru Danda. Danda is, D-A-N is Dan, Adam. This is another, um, this is another way of saying man, but Meru Danda is the spinal column okay in the middle of it is the nerve the spinal cord which is 18 inches long in a man 17 in a woman so 18 is well that's the magic number isn't it the letter r ra okay meru danda so um and 18 okay uh well 18 inches is half of a yard so 36 inches and 360 is well, if you're, if you're looking for the measuring stick that's in the temple of the soul of man, Solomon, it's, the, it's that spinal cord, okay? <laughs> and so Meru, Dunda, Mount Meru, that's where the magnetism is generated through that spinal cord. And, and so the, see this intertwining energy here? These are, all, these are all realms that exist inside of this atom, or Atum, this man who has an anatomy. So he's made of atomies, okay? Um, and so he is Adamic because he is atomic. And, and, and in the heart, the green chakra with 12 petals, this is where you guys are talking about. This is the core um, of, this is Meru, Mount Meru here on earth. Now, Earth is an anagram for heart. Okay, so when you look at um, uh, when you look at the heart uh, word 
see, if you look at the spinal cord, how it, uh, spinal column, how it works, and it's called merudanda, you will understand that that's that spiraling, spiraling energy going down from the red chakras at the bottom all the way up to the violets at the top. Um, that's how the heavens uh, are in our solar system. So the in, in every ancient myth, um, theology, um, once when all theologies were syncretic and syncretism um, uh, was, uh, was universal, um, this, this was um, the, the same as in Christian theology. Um, the uh, uh, Gnostic Christians of Alexandria in the second century, there was one called Origen, and he, he said that he said, man is also a solar system with a moon and a sun and five planets and 12 zodiac signs. Okay, so it's, it's not alien to Christianity. Now, Christianity goes back way, way past the supposed historical Jesus. Okay, way past. It is ancient. I've exposed Christianity in ancient Egypt. Christianity is a theological science, and it's this science here about this, how the universe is. Man is the, the measure of the universe. This is how the universe is. And inside the body, you can see all these planes. They haven't exactly materialized as our solar system has, because it's more advanced. But, but there are planes in the body of man. Okay, and depending on which chakras are activated, man will be either more animalistic or more spiritual, depending on which chakras he's working through. And you see, um, because you can you can be living in the hellish planes down here. Here is survival, you know, uh, um, the ego, the lower ego. Here is the mental mind. Uh, sorry, the material mind, the animalistic mind. And here people create in the material world and they have wars are produced down here. Whereas up here in the heart chakra, in the earth chakra, this is where the Garden of Eden is. Eden is Adam. Okay, The Garden of Adam is in his heart, the earth heart. So, And that is why Max Spears said, the enemy of humanity is attacking the heart. Confusing your instincts, heightening your emotions, confusing your mind, increasing a lack of compassion, messing with all communication, inhibiting intuition, and deleting cosmic awareness. So you're being attacked on all the seven levels of the chakras from the theta to the gamma. We're going to Mount Meru, the spinal column, the axis mundi of the cosmocrator in which you live. You are living inside of yourself, a, step, a stepped up God of you. So you are a stepped down God of the God you live inside of. Excellent. I, I, I would like to clear up that 
we were actually not those who are being drawn to the to the center and will take the journey either next year or in coming years we're not actually going to be near mount maru at least initially and how i see it is there's a type of recentering that happens upon every uh level you you pass in your ascensional process so right now on this earth we are attracted to the center crater once we are on one on one of the four continents in the center is Mount Maru. And in all of the ancient texts, Mount Maru is home of the immortal Siddhas and all of the gods. So this is, in my opinion, where we would go to next in this realm. We would then take yet another exodus to Mount Maru. Uh, and once you basically transcend all of the levels of Mount Maru, and reach Brahma's golden peak or golden castle, whatever you want to call it, that's when your incarnations start taking on a, a purely etheric form. Whereas when you're in Eden, you're still semi-physical, uh, semi-ethereal. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yes, because um, if you're if you're going to a more pure place, the body will have to definitely be way more pure, and it will be more ethereal. Okay, so it will be of a higher constitution. It will be more of a um, uh, you know a higher vibrating sonar luminescence we are sonar luminescence we are the same as god you know um the sun the sun in the sky is the sun in our hearts okay um that's the sun that's why that's why heart is an anagram is the same as hare hare krishna hare is the heart um and it's horus the sun leo the the you know, the lion of the tribe of Judah is the heart, and that's where the sun is. And Igina discovered that the sun has a, a, a heartbeat at the same, and it beats the same, at the same um, um, beat rate as our hearts. And so it is the heart. It is Hare Krishna. It is. Um, and it's the... Um, the heart plane, it's to, together with... The, basically, what Igina says is the sun is the other half of the earth. They are twins, in a sense. The earth is the electrical, um, you know, result of the sun's uh, magnetic rays. And, and they, are thought, they are thought waves, actually, those light waves. They are thoughts. It's, it's the thoughts of God that are being projected onto the earth screen. That's what the Akashic record, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, that is the Akashic record. That is the eye of the heavens. That's our higher consciousness. That's us in a, in a stepped-up God, okay? Krishna is, Krishna is the source. It's the milk of the cheese, of the yogurt, of the butter, 
of the ice cream, of the curds, of the whey. You know, However, in, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I meant to ask this earlier. You mentioned that the sun is is the origin of all. In ancient Egyptian mythology, Amun was one of the first gods to emerge, and from him came Ra. And so Amun is the black sun, and Ra is the white sun. So... Correct. Exactly. Good point. So, and the black sun is also behind the yellow sun that we see in the sky. That's why when you see those little dots, those little black solar spots, that's actually the the, the black sun or a, another black sun because there, there are several different archetypes that can be called black suns, okay? The, the Earth actually has one itself. It's called the dark satellite. So you're actually seeing that, and, and what that black sun is is the dielectric sun. Make no mistake about it, guys. Make no mistake about it. Whatever is black is dielectricity, okay? Whatever is white or golden, Ra, is magnetism and and the black light is resting light it's the true christ light the true krishna light that is the true nature of christ that black resting light and its partner eternal and conjugal is magnetism white light and and white light is the parent of electrical light which is all the seven colors that are um, born from white light and the first two are the twins red and blue and red shift blue shift and then from red shift blue shift you get the rainbow which is red shift blue shift when you look at it properly and you can see there that's the twin child the rainbow is the twin child in seven it's a septenary or an octave but it's a twin because it's red shift blue shift which is born of white light which is the one half of the two lights, black and white light. Perhaps this is why in the stories of Shambhala, Mount Maru is called the white shining mountain. Yeah, because it's magnetic. So, so Mount Maru is also the mechanism by which this 24-hour clock of our Earth is is um, founded upon. It's Mount Meru, and it is a magnetic mountain which actually, um, it with with the the way the firmament works is that it has um, me- metallic elements in it that make it a, like a mirror. Okay, so the dome effect or the the firmament effect. The vault of the sky is like a mirror, okay? And so um, uh, um, what is projecting the sun? The sun is basically not, has no physicality at all, you see. Even the Globies confirm that with their own science textbooks, which uh, agree that the sun is 90% um, uh, hydrogen and 10% helium. So, have you ever seen any solid uh, hydrogen or helium? Absolutely not. 
Right. Okay. So, it's water, essentially. Hydrogen and oxygen and all of that watery stuff. So, when Mount Meru interacts, it's like a um, when you have a convex uh, lens, you can actually... Um, you know, project light and burn, you know, with those magnifying glasses, you can actually burn things far away. Well, um, th this Ma Mount Meru is like a, um, a, a coherent magnetic field, like a laser, which projects out toward the mirror of the dome, which then has which then, then sort of it magnifies that beam coming from, it's like an amplifier, and amplifies that beam coming from Mount Meru and then condenses that light, that electromagnetic sevenfold septenary of light into a white ball of light, electrical, and, and, then, and so it, it interacts chemically with the hydrogen in the air or whatever, I mean, it's... They say there's nitrogen and oxygen, okay? So it interacts with that as it's been, um, as it's been um, controlled and um, governed by Mount Meru, which is a clock. It's a clock. It, and, and a clock is Glocke in um, German, comes from Glocke, Glockenspiel, okay? And Glocke means bell. And bell is the dome and it is dominus the lord and and so when you have when you look at uh, the father and the son and the holy spirit the lord the father is the dome the dominus and the son is actually um the child of that dome because it's an effect of the son is an effect of the dome if, without the dome it cannot work and then the Holy Spirit is the magnetic, you know, field which then um, produces the screen of the Earth, which is basically just, um, you know, Earth and and water and gas. Okay, so it's funny how the globalists defend their spinning, rotating, wobbling, thrusting, orbiting ball, and it's actually supposed to, supposedly it's orbiting around the Sun at a Mach. 88 that's um uh mile an hour that's mac 88 and it's just a sod sod of dirt <laughs> can so, you so imagine I'm, I'm intrigued um to hear your thoughts because you, you briefly mentioned that there is a another sun here on earth um is, is this the sun that's talked about in um, what do you mean another sun? I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that um, the um, the uh, the disc that we call sun it is a threefold disc more so than all the other planets. Even though the so-called planets like Jupiter and they are just miniature um, uh, suns really, or, or types of suns like the moon the moon is the, the twin of the sun and they have they have their own domes they have their own spheres this is why pythagoras called them the music of the spheres and then the materialist idiots think that Py pythagoras was was a globe when he was not 
all the all the all the Neoplatonists and all the ancient Greeks, um, Anaxagoras, Anaximenes, Anaximander, uh, uh, Solon, they were all flat earthers, all of them, all of them, and the Pythagoreans, vegetarians and flat earthers, all of them, and so, but they they spoke about the music, the spheres, because what the universe is like an egg. It's in the shape of a phi-to-one ratio egg. The magnetic ball that we live in is an egg, and it's, it's um, concentric spheres. There are ten of them, and the Earth is the, the horizontal plane intersecting all of them. Okay, so the sun has its own um, uh, force field. It has its own... Taurus, okay, and it is an impressive one. It's called um, uh, Master Vortexia. That's what the name of it is in esoteric science. The Master Vortexia, because it is actually sweeping all the other planets around with it. They are captured. All of their Taurus fields are embedded in the suns. This is why Tycho Brahe should not be included with Copernicus and Kepler, because Tycho Brahe. He was of the correct system. He understood that the sun was had its own heliocentric um, uh, mechanism as well, even though it's a geocentric system. The sun is also um, causing the planets to be captured in its torus field, its vortex, and so all the planets have their cycles and epicycles as they go around the sun. Hence, in astrology, you talk about you know, planets going um, retrograde. They're not going backwards. It's just that they have epicycles. And so, and these are, these are all being caught up in the sun's massive ethereal, uh, you know, the sun is the master of the ether, the ether that is the field that is turning over our heads daily, producing the, the magnetic tides in the oceans, producing the winds, the weather, on the earth, producing the moods. The sun is the master of it, okay? And the moon is the, the dielectric um, uh, symphony or um, uh, conductor, orchestra conductor of it all. The moon is dielectric, dielectric and the sun is magnetic. That's it. The sun is an anode and the moon is cathode. So how do we reconcile that with... Um accounts of people who've gone by Polyphianza and Edmund Burden, and various occult accounts of them talking about a sun in inner Earth, which, or hollow Earth, which is what we think is the crater continent of Eden at the North Pole. They all talk about a second sun, a smaller sun, that is bronze in colour, um, which is what we think is emitting the aurora borealis. So my question is, what are your thoughts on, on this sun that is well documented? Um, the sun that's yeah, okay. Well, the sun that's uh, in the um, under the dome that we see, that is the heart, okay? This other sun is the pineal gland. The sun exalts in Aries. Aries is the cerebrum. Aries rules the pineal gland, okay? The pituitary gland is um, in the region of Taurus, the lower part of the skull, and the cerebrum and it is the pituitary body and so the moon 
exalts in Taurus. Sun exalts in Aries, so there is a sun in Aries. It's the pineal gland. And that is what they call the soul. Um, see, most of the esoteric philosophers of history will tell you that the soul is in the, the third ventricle or the pineal gland or associated with the cerebrum or the, the medulla oblongata or the corpus callosum. Um, they're always, not the medulla oblongata, I'll take that one out of that list, and, and there are many more to add in there. I can give you a list of all the philosophers of history who have spoken about the soul residing in the cranium. But we know that the soul is in the heart because the heart and the soul go together, whereas the mind and the spirit have a different category altogether and they are in the head, okay, mind and spirit, whereas heart and soul... Um, is is so that there are two suns. Now the mind's vortex, the cerebrum's vortex, is the second biggest in the human body. The heart's is the biggest by far, and then I think the liver center or the um, uh, solar plexus is the third biggest vortex. But that's the that's another sun. Okay, so you've got the pineal gland sun and you've got the heart sun. Hence. The heart is called the soul, and the soul is Sol Invictus Sun. So there are many suns and there are many planets. The body is um, is uh, totally a, a, a temple. It's the temple of Solomon, and it is the measure of the universe. How man is, is how the universe is. As above, so below. There is no difference. Once you depart from this basic truth, you are lost in the world of delusions. And, and this You'll is never why many of us are attracted to the center. Because these well, outer lands have nothing left for us. We've learned uh, all we can. We've worked out the karma that we're able to out here. And I, I just kind of want to clear up that it's easy to mistake these four continents as metaphorical or a place within you and indeed we are microcosms of the macrocosm but this is a physical place that when one is spiritually ready one must take a physical journey to get to we're not semi-etheric yet we are still in these dense outer lands so manifestation is not going to happen uh in the way that I've seen many people in this movement believe. It, it takes strong will of the heart, of the mind, and of the body. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go back to what you said. Yeah. Um, I get wrong about a similar subject. Um, when you're saying that life is a school, so all of this, the meaning of life, is to learn, to grow, and to move on. And as such, as in any school, there is a process. So while we're out in these lands, in these outer lands, we're here to learn by ourselves, we're here to grow, and once we've grown, we've got to take the next step to the next school, which is the Garden of Eden, which is why a lot of us who have reached a certain spiritual maturity are being drawn to the center, because we've learned everything we have to learn out there, like you said, and um, we're ready for the next, um, next challenge, for the next school. 
And again, once you relax, you'll probably be in Eden for a few thousand years, however that works, and we will learn what we need to learn while we're there. And at some point, there'll be another exodus, just like the Sinbadon, into Mount Meru and into the Exodus route. So I think there is a process that we follow. And that process is repetitive. So once you get to the end of the school, you start again right at the bottom. And I think we all become our cons. Uh, I think we've all been our cons. I think it's necessary. And, um, and we have to find ourselves and find our way back home as a whole of life. What's your thought on that, Santos? Beautiful. Yep. Yep. That sounds sounds reasonable to me and it sounds um, correct for sure now I would love um, both of your thoughts on the ice wall it's very peculiar that most of the flat earth movement is quite focused on the ice wall and why are the military guarding it but if we are to take magnetism into account, then the further you get away from the center, you could say the lower vibration it is. So there's a quote by William Warren in the book Paradise Found, Cradle of the Human Race at the North Pole, and he says that the divinities live at the North Pole and the Asuras or the demons live in the South Pole. Now, it's easy to point to the ice wall and say, well, there's so many people guarding it. Uh, the military's there, there's the Antarctic Treaty, 55 countries are involved in it. Uh, so what are they hiding? But the opposite is true. These, these archons of, of the military-industrial complex, reptilians, whatever you want to call them, they have no domain around Eden. Eden is protected by divinities, and to set up military ships or volatile airspace would be going against the divine plan. There would be major karmic repercussions if any such action was attempted. And this is why the Arctic is the least protected area in the world. There's actually the least amount of military bases in that deep Arctic region than in anywhere else in the world. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think um, you only guard something that you own. And the fact that the Antarctic is well guarded and well protected by the UN and the powers of the means that they own whatever is beyond those walls inspired by the government. Whereas the Arctic is, like we said, basically our research has, has shown us that there is there's nothing there. There's no one protecting it. There's no treaty. There's no Arctic treaty. Um, there's nothing. And that's because they have no business up there. And they stop anyone from going there. So essentially, I think we are our own prison box. You know, I hear in the treaty when people say, oh, you're going to get shot down if you try and go there. They'll never let you go there. Um, that is how they have created the system. So we are our own prison box. We stop ourselves from returning back to the garden. So they don't have to do anything. They have to just convince us 
that um, we're not worthy of going there, or the reasons we can go. It's the whole, you know, we came from monkeys, or we were banished by God from Bonavidin, and only Jesus will, will come and save us. So they're trying to take power away from us. I think as up and being pulled back home, um, these powers that be and quite enjoy as many people as they can out into the outer world, away from the center, um, because they're going to try and create a new paradigm out there uh, as people are being shifted to the center. So I think there's going to be a split in reality, those who are going within and those who are seeking it out. Absolutely, 100%. And there's no evidence for any outer lands, but if we are to follow the same logic as you incarnate somewhere on Earth, and once you've recentered yourself, you're able to physically recenter yourself, then perhaps there are a multitude, perhaps infinite amount of outer lands. Those who incarnate in these lands might have once been on Earth or in Eden and have descended. So this is obviously just a theory, but perhaps we're consistently moving outwards and inwards. We go to Mount Maru, we visit all the upper dimensions, we fuse back with all that is with Source, and then we decide to play the game again. So we descend through Mount Maru, traverse all the levels, go to the outer lands. And perhaps it's it's just a game, a game of consciousness. It's it's fun to create. It's fun to experiment with as many modes as we can, right? Because if if God is is truly infinite and doesn't see things as good or bad, then all type of creation would be the work of God. Now that's not to say all type of creation is harmonious. Yep, yep. I would um, have to agree with those uh, thoughts. Um, all is projected from this, the source creator. And in all of his expansions, he allows the different expansions of himself to create worlds according to their pleasure. <clears throat> and... Um, Eventually, all those that um, you know, should want to return to the source will find their way back, some sooner, some later. Um, others probably will go beyond the point of no return where they do not want to return to source. I don't know how that can be possible, but... Um, it's the same logic as... You're a teenager, and your father tells you, you know, I, I, I want you off of drugs, off of alcohol, be a good student, and you get a rush from disobeying those orders. So it's sort of like disobeying the will of God is, uh, is a rush. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good and, analogy. And I, and I think as well, there's... When we're at the cusp of going out, of becoming a teenager and becoming a young adult, 
This is what we call shifting into a new age. This is where we are now. And there are some of us, um, our teens, do not want to grow up. We want to stay as teenagers. And there are some of us who are saying, well, I'm ready to stop being a teenager now. I'm ready to be a young adult. And this is the friction that we're seeing in the world. So we're seeing people who are resisting the shift, who do not want to hear about any truth. They just want to carry on playing this game. It doesn't mean they're evil or they're bad. They just don't want to grow up yet. They're not fully yet. So there is this, um, and eventually those who do decide to grow up will leave the nest, the home, and begin a new home um, elsewhere, um, where they're not restricted by um, the laws or, or restricted by those boundaries as a teenager, where you're a bit more free because you're mature enough to make your own decisions. Yes. And we're going to use the same analogy, which is what the bottom beating is, I guess. And, and this sort of leads to the topic of uh, how it seems like spirituality is often left out of, of flat earth. And, and flat earth is simply seen as just another conspiracy one has to debunk. And, you know, my appearance on on Globusters a few weeks ago was kind of telling because the gist I was getting was, well, the Earth is flat, we can measure that, we can understand that, and that's all there is. But that's all there isn't. Flat Earth should be, uh, like everything else, it should be a stepping stone into really taking back your own power. Anybody can be incredibly well-read on mythologies and sacred geometry and etc etc but if, if if you're not actually in, incorporating that into true gnosis into the wisdom of the soul then what are we really doing we're sort of chasing our tail in a similar way that these archons are by flexing their muscles you know I'm well versed in, in science and evolution and and history. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I'd agree. I think that is the, the confusion of, of this awakening, of this shift of becoming a teenager, where, again, going back to your analogy, which is perfect, you know, when, I remember when I was a teenager, I got to an age when I was about 18 years old, and I had to decide what to do with my life. It was a very confusing time for me, you know, what career do I want to go into, what what do I want? Do I want to travel? Do I want to go to university? Do I want to start a career? It's really confusing, and that's what's happening to us. Uh, and some figure it out quicker. Some get to 18 and they're like, I know exactly where I'm meant to go, and exactly what I'm meant to do. They just mature quicker than others. Some don't figure it out until they're 30. They get to 30 years old and they're like, ah, now I know where I'm meant to go. So I think it's, it's akin to, to the same thing. These people that are waking up to the flat earth, they are transitioning out of that teenage state, but they are still, um, they've not yet reached that spiritual maturity to know what to do with it. I've got this information, I've come across this, but I don't know what to do with it. So I think that's the big transition of knowing what to do with it. Now that I have this and I know this, now what? What's the next step now? Bringing it back around, what's this? Gladio, hold 
See, the <clears throat> the center of a torus field is called a um, hyperbole, uh, a hyperboloid rather, and they 